Chinchilla. Welcome to Chinchilla Squeaks. Now this is not a links show, it's an interview show, hence a slightly different introduction. My interview is with Damien Marquez of Kubematic, where we talk about their Kubernetes management um, platform. It does a lot of things, it does a lot of things. You'll have to listen to the interview and the demo. If you'd rather watch the demo, you can find a video version of this interview on my YouTube channel or at christianchiller.com. So, enjoy. Now, I feel like that is a name I have seen somewhere. I'm not quite sure where I might have. Probably a KubeCon or something like that. But um... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was at KubeCon. Okay. Uh, not as a speaker, but I, I was definitely at KubeCon. Uh, oh, yeah, probably good. Container Days 2, maybe. Uh, oh, in Hamburg. Yeah, or, ah, maybe okay. just, or, or maybe you just happen to f- to have very good taste in music and have seen me around. I get the feeling it might have been uh, Container Days Hamburg. Most of the music I've tried to go to recently is, all keeps getting cancelled. So, <laughs> so, yeah, Kubernetes, that probably is where I saw it. So let's um, get a little bit of a history first. Um, why the company started, always interesting to hear. And what kind of problem was it trying to solve when it did? Right. So uh, the company has been around for almost seven years now. Uh, it was founded by Sebastian Scheller and Julian Hanser. Mm-hmm. And to put it in a very too long, didn't read kind of version, the company was founded upon the premise of trying to fix the complexities upon what is natively done in Kubernetes. Mm-hmm. So Sebastian uh, worked in SAP in the past, and during his tenure over there, he saw a lot of things that could be improved upon. So he and Julian got together, and they started the company. Initially, it was called Lutze. So uh, that was the initial name, right? And that's the name that uh, you give to the pilots over in Hamburg. But, you know, it's... Could be tricky outside of Germany, you know, for somebody that is not obviously German speaking, it's not really that, that charming. So it was rebranded as Kubernetes. Uh, it's kind of more obvious. Isn't it? Of course. <laughs> you know, it expresses a lot better the, the whole purpose of the company, yeah. which is uh, power through automation and make life easier for everybody here in the in the in the Kubernetes world, which, oh my God, I know how hard it can be. I've been in the DevOps role before. And yeah, it solves a lot of things. It's It simplifies definitely a lot of things. Well, let's break down some of that because, I mean, Kubernetes is, is complex, but I sometimes get the feeling that um, if someone, oh, if a lot of people are reaching for Kubernetes, they have a vague idea of what they're doing, at least in terms of what came before. So what aspects of Kubernetes are you simplifying or streamlining or abstracting that um, that brings that advantage? All right. So first, you know, I like to think of Kubernetes as cruel but fair. <laughs> uh, if you play it good. So a lot of the things that are, are simplified specifically around Kubernetes, is the lifecycle management mm-hmm. of uh, of the clustering, of the worker nodes. So there's a couple of things that natively Kubernetes doesn't provide. Uh, for example, uh, 
Kubernetes, of course, is an HA system. However, there's a lot of steps that you need to follow before it's a fully HA system in itself. It does have the capacity, but it's not natively built in there. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the one of the main things that uh, gets solved to the platform. Another one of the things is that um, you know Kubernetes in itself also has the ability to add a lot of abstraction layers, specifically around the backups, specifically around automation, yeah. specifically around uh, let's let's hit one one that, that it's one of the major pain points that uh, all the people in DevOps that I've known always complain around that it's updates. When you have to update a cluster yeah. Yeah. with 300 worker nodes on a Friday night and you really, really, really don't want to do it, but somebody has to do it, um, that gets simplified quite a lot. You know, okay. uh, the control plane, the QLED upgrades, uh, all of those healthiness um, checks that you do before you upgrade, the post upgrade. Uh, to add another one that for me, it's also very important. Um, I'm a network guy. I like to work with networking and it's specifically around the integrity and the security around Kubernetes worker nodes, you know, how they are open mostly, uh, to communicate between the, between themselves. So we add automatically the option to, you know, in previous versions, um, just for the context, we were in version 2018 and before that version in previous versions, mm-hmm. We used to use OpenVPN only. We added Connectivi uh, as part of that as well to add an extra layer of security, to add an extra layer of speed. Um, you know, it's basically to improve upon those aspects that Kubernetes uh, definitely falls short, not because it's a bad, uh, let's say, product in itself, but just because there's things that, you can do, but they require a lot more work to do, right? So I like to think about it, you know, as uh, having an, uh, a manual car and yeah. you have to do everything yourself when you're driving versus just having one of these self-driving cars that you can just read a book in the meantime. You know, you just push a button and do it. Now, we're far away from that, but it's good to aspire, right? Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> analogy, though. It's a problematic analogy, maybe, if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's always good to have room for conversation, right? Yeah. So just to clarify what Kubernetes... have to be careful where you take the second part of the name. Kubernetes offers. Kubernetes. Uh, we have professional services. So it's sort of a, kind of a, mm-hmm. a starting point. Subs- subscription. Well, what is that? Is that the upgrade side of things? Is that kind of outside of the professional services, kind of an ongoing maintenance of, of your Kubernetes clusters, I guess, or something like that? Right. So when we go into the subject of, of the pricing models, mm. uh, the reason that we have a subscription is because, when first, we are a fully open source committed company. Okay. That's something that, uh, that we strive upon, that we build the company, you know, keeping in mind of, the products keeping it in mind of. However... Um, when we start going into how big a cluster, uh, the cluster management gets, how many sources of data you want to have, how many data centers you really want to put inside your clusters, then we have two different versions. We have one that is the community edition, you know, the open source, yeah. you can go out, get it. Uh, we have a tool that is called Start Kubernetes that it's, um, that it's actually going to allow you to build a pipeline and have this installed in five minutes. However, 
if you are a company that has hundreds of worker nodes with several sources of data spread around the world, then most likely you're going to need a little bit more support. Okay. You're going to yeah. need a little bit more features. So that's when the, the uh, enterprise edition comes in. You know, there's uh, a couple of little tweaks that come inside the enterprise edition specifically aim to help with the business acumen of the of the tool mm-hmm. to make a business easier, so to speak. Okay. So whereas the community edition, it's built to build as many clusters as you want, as many worker nodes as you want, but from a single source that we call seed. For example, you can have your community edition work with AWS. Yeah. And you okay. can have be- 200 clusters in AWS. Uh, the enterprise edition it's going to allow you to have not only AWS, for, for example, if you want to have Azure, DigitalOcean, uh, Hetzner, all those different clouds inside a single system. That's what it's going to allow you to do okay. it. I might yeah. come back to that a little bit later once we go through a demo. Sure. I just want to go one more thing before we move on to uh, the, the Kubernetes platform. Uh, one of the offerings, I, I'm just looking at a headline here, but Kubernetes virtualization Um is an intriguing title <laughs> so what is that is that a bridge between containers and virtual machines is it something else right um when we refer to virtualization it's yeah. because um the, the the tool that it's the kubernetes kubernetes platform in itself is a self-containerized control plane that connects via API to all of these different sources, obviously using the, the Cloud Control Manager and the, Q, the Kubernetes API and QPDM, all of this jazz. But in itself, it's a virtualized master control plane that is going to take care of everything else. So it's an abstraction layer that you get built on top of another Kubernetes cluster that is going to allow you to work against all these other different clouds. You know, it's pretty much going to, going to do everything for you. So internally in the tool, we kind of, we call it the machine controller, okay. which is just a subset of operators and APIs that are going to connect to all of these places and, you know, virtualize everything that you need. So it doesn't matter if you're working on an on-prem environment, if you're working on an IoT environment, edge environment, completely public cloud or hybrid, it's still going to have, it's still going to have the ability to build upon these tools and virtualize everything that you need right okay okay uh obviously there's a lot of freedom how you want to do it how you want to pursue it you can select the runtime environment you know as 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 you're probably aware chris um kubernetes it's moving a little bit away from docker uh i like to put it kindly but you know it's moving to something more cri based yeah so container d it's it's gonna look more powerful you know just because it's a, it's an interface. So, for example, this migration between Docker and Containerd gets done easily through okay. the tool. So, yeah. migrating between those two runtime environments gets easier. The virtualization inside it. So, it, it's it's very very simple yet very elegant the way that it does it. Okay. okay. That's why we talk about virtualization. Okay. All right, let's um, let's jump into a bit of a demonstration, and then and I think this is uh, Kubernetes. The platform itself is the the real kind of core of what you do, and I wouldn't mind then going into a bit more about the differences between the different versions. And you know, Chris, you are the lucky one because you are the first person 
outside Kubernetes that's going to see the new version, the 2.19 version. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's a stable. I okay. upgraded it myself with one of our architects uh, last week. So I'm already seeing lots of things I want to ask about on this screen before you've even done anything. So let's. <laughs> 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 you wanna you wanna take the first hit? No, swing it. No, let's 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 actually just um, uh, take me through the steps that a, a customer or a user might take on their first um, their first interactions. All right, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the, the luxury tour here. <laughs> so what you're seeing in the screen is the Kubernetes, Kubernetes platform version 2.19 that was released uh, last week. This is fresh out of the oven. Uh, it's one of the most stable versions that we have released of yet, and it's one of the versions that has the most interesting subset of features. So... What you're seeing here is the initial dashboard. So uh, the KKP tool, it's a multi-tenant um, Kubernetes meta orchestrator, mm -hmm. right? What that means is that you can have several different sources of data subdivided and isolated by one another. So this isolation, as you see here on the screen, gets done by projects. So you can have one project with one name, with one ID, with one different subset of uh, users, different roles, and let me show you. So I'm an admin on this tool, so yeah. I can see all the other projects that are around for any of or the any other users that are actually using this specific. And you're using project here to refer to like a, like is it somewhat comparable to like a namespace in Kubernetes? Yeah, no, I would call it. Let's let's call it more like a folder. Okay. Because inside the projects, you can also do. You know, you have the ability to use RBAC, you know, role-based access control list, and you can also create namespace, okay. role-based access control list, and bindings between them. So you can create users, groups of users, and bind them differently to each one of the namespaces that you create. So in those terms, um, the projects will be, let's think about it, uh, the best analogy that I can give you, it's like when you have a project in Google Cloud or a folder in Azure, that you have a specific subset of rules, users, uh, roles, and everything else inside it that is going to be completely segregated from one another. So it's not as if you can have clusters from this project look at this project or users from this one to this other, right? They're still going to have their own separate networking, their own separate subset of users, all in all, right? Okay, makes sense. Yeah. So let's let's simplify it and go to what I <laughs> For you today. So I prepared this one that is yeah. called Project One. Now, what you see on the screen is what any user of KKP will look at. We try to make this interface as simple and elegant as possible. You have the ability to select it, you know, in dark mode or in light mode, which, wow, it's super bright. I love it. And, uh, here in the screen, you're going to have, to the left, you're going to have the option to see all the clusters that you have created. You have the ability to create cluster templates, which is... Uh, can can I ask a question here? Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, because I'm interested because you already mentioned a few different um, infrastructure support options, and you can see here Google Cloud, AWS, and uh, Equinix. Um do you have to manually create integrations for each of those or is it a more generic kind of just wherever there's a cluster running? 
in the amount of clouds, public clouds that are out there, at the moment we support pretty much every major public cloud out there except two, which is IBM Cloud and Oracle Cloud. And we're working towards those in, okay. in, in next versions. Uh, right now, there has been a, a major cloud that we have worked with that hasn't been integrated. So yep. uh, we support from, you know, AWS, the majors, you know, the big three, AWS, Azure, Google, up to managed services, you know, as AKS, EKS, and GKS, yep. okay. we're able to connect those external clusters up to European clouds like Hetzner. Uh, we recently started a partnership with Equinix Metal as well, so that's supported inside Equinix Metal. Uh, let me show you something. I okay. think you're gonna you're gonna appreciate that. And this is, for example, the clouds that I have added into my lab. So I have Alibaba, yep. which I support. We have support in all of these regions. You know, as this tool is multi-tenant, yep. you have the ability to select how many regions you want to have added. So you can configure that by yourself. You know, you, I want to add, let's say, uh, AWS, and I want to add all the regions. Yep. So you have the ability to add all of these regions. You have the ability to control them, see how you want to have them, how, how many resources you want to add. And to this, internally, and in the tool, you refer to as a seed. Okay. Because you're seeding the clusters directly from this place to build them. So they is proud, right? So, yay. Um, and even on-prem. So my QADM, uh, my QVert, and my VMware, all of this are on-prem labs that we have built yep. in, in Germany and that we have the ability to control. We do a pooling of those resources, depending how many... Uh, stuff you want to have, how many, let's say, RAM and vCPUs you want to you have available to build your clusters at, and then you add it as a single data center. So when you go into, let's see here, I have the admin panel, mm -hmm. and I'm going to show you one of the features that it's only available in the enterprise edition for business and scalability, okay. is that you're going to have the ability to do mothering. But before I jump that, what I wanted to show you is that when you go here into the data centers, you're going to be able to see all the data centers that you have added to your environment mm -hmm. with all the regions that you have added, all the providers that you have, and all the regions that you have. And if you want to add a new data center, it's very simple. You just select here in that data center, you add your name, yeah. the provider of the cloud that you have. And then you can continue adding it that way, right? So it's a it's a very simple process. Yeah. If as a company, for example, you're working in AWS, you find you need a new region, you don't have to do the whole reinstallation of the process. It's just a couple of clicks yeah. away to have this up and running. It's also kind of an allowance thing. So if you have a European team, you only give them access to European data centers. Exactly. So there's no yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. I like I like how this is it's a little bit self-explanatory in the way that the tool is built. Yeah. And yeah, that's actually it. So when you build a project, you can have teams in Germany, yeah. you can have teams in the U.S. working in the same project, but still you can segregate them yeah. in how you want them to access these different resources. Yeah. Because one of the main things with this platform is that we wanted to make it as a service as possible. Uh, going into one of the features that the Enterprise Edition has now that yeah. we're sitting in here is this mothering tool. Yeah. So uh, what KKP does is that it's capable of generating these reports that are going to be including all the usability data, all the billing data regarding all the different sources you have. And it's going to put it into a comprehensive report 
that you can use, mm-hmm. you know, to pretty much um, see how your um, your environment is working, how your how your actual installation is working, where you can find improvements, when you can find uh, if you need less resources in one cluster or the other. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that, right? And does so does you, does this connect up to because you also have Grafana, Prometheus, Loki? Is that coming from those sources, or is it? That's a very good question. Yes, it is <laughs> okay. a little bit, and it also goes to Minio. Okay. So oh. there's a little bit of there's a little bit of that too. And I, might, also, I might have had them on the on the on the show before. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so it, it comes with a little bit of uh, it takes metrics uh, from a lot of different sources to build comprehensive reports. Mm-hmm. Around. And I'm going to show you how that looks like. So it's this CSV, is very so it's not going to be the right. most. Uh... <laughs> so, yeah, because I haven't done I haven't done really anything with it, but it's just to show you how yeah. it looks yeah. like how the CSV. It's going to take a CSV. It's going to tell you how much used memory you got. Uh, how much available memory you have. So it's going to take all these metrics regarding each one of the projects, the cluster ID, which is the normal uh, QCTL ID that you will get, labeling, and so on. Perfect for people who'd rather work in Excel instead of Grafana. (laughs) Oh, well, I just downloaded it in Excel, and I was like, yeah, let's open it. I'm not going to... No, you know what I mean, you know what I mean. (laughs) Dashboards are not everyone's preferred way of looking at things strangely. (laughs) You do got your dashboards, so you're yeah, going to sure. have your I'm sure you do. Yes. <laughs> all, all that jazz. Cool. But I'm, okay. I'm old school, so I like to paint myself with Excel. Oh, and also, <laughs> I mean, um, PromQL and stuff like that is, is got its own learning curve. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Cool. Life finds a way, right? So let's continue the tour yep. here. So to the left, you're going to have the ability to create cluster templates which means that you can create your own separate cluster templates and just with one click create them out of the box. So as you see here, I have created three different clusters, one in Equinix Metal in New York, one in Google Cloud in Frankfurt, and one Red Hat that is also located in Frankfurt. Two of this I created with a template. So you can create your own templates. I have, let's see, let, let me show you the one from Red Hat. And you can select here, create cluster from template. And then you can see what mm-hmm. are the values. Yeah. You know, what are the parameters in which you're going to create this cluster with? So you're going to have the version, the runtime environment. If you want to have connect, if you want to have connectivity, if you want to have admission plugins, all this information, you can put it into a single package so you can create, destroy, uh, destroy and delete. So this is very useful and specifically around repavement strategies. So in my past life, we used to work a lot with uh, golden images and repavement strategies. And I think this is a perfect addition when you're working that way. You know, I don't want to take more than one click to create a cluster. So it's as simple as that. I'm just going to create this new cluster instance and it's going to pop up over here Mm. with the same parameters that I created the other one. Just obviously with separate IDs, different, different everything, you know, different namespaces, different all of that jazz. Here you're gonna have one of the one of the additions to the one of the newest versions, to this new version. And it's the ability to have automated backups mm. uh, in different locations. So you can create the tool can create backups of ETCD, snapshots of the cluster, mm. and restore clustering. 
which is very good on a Friday night. So you have the ability here, let's select, for example, this one, ecstatic babbage. Baggage. Babbage? Wow. You know, this is randomized, and every time I get some excellent name. I don't know what this library comes from, but like the Docker names <laughs> and all these things no. that have these weirdest. Uh, <laughs> no. So as you see here, you're going to have the seat and you can select yeah. which destination you want to set. So in this lab, unfortunately, I only have menu external endpoint. I can configure more if I want it and I can send these different backups to different locations. Yeah. And to keep it, you know, as, as close as possible, this is all going to work with Chrome expressions. Yeah. So if you need to add a personal, a personalized um, backup frequency, you can do it over here yep. and I can just add the backup frequency and he's still going to do it every time. Right. Yep. So this is very, very good when you want to keep control of everything that, you, that you're doing in your environment for development purposes, when you have green rule architectures, when you have red black architectures, all the jazz, this is gonna come super handy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, here down below, you're gonna find SSH keys. So mm -hmm. this is when you have service accounts or when you wanna add a specific access to a specific users. You can select your own public SSH yep. and you can configure it whatever way that you want it. Now, the reason is that you get the same level isolation and even a little higher level isolation with this tool that you do with normal Kubernetes. However, you still need to have access to your clusters and we still have, we're still going to provide that access, but we just want to make sure that you can, that you can see and centralize all these keys, all these users into a single easy to read location, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And here down below, you know, the usual, you're going to have the members of your organization by owner, by editor, yep. by viewer. And add them. And can, here you're gonna have can you define those roles or is it? Oh, we go, yeah. No. Oh, well, um, the owner, viewer, and editor, those are hardwired roles that you have. Yep. yep. Now, those cannot be changed. Yep. However, what you can do, and I'm going to jump to that when I show you real quick the cluster, is that you can select the specific permissions to a specific namespaces and do a specific binding. Okay. Yeah. Around the same around the same logic, you know, owner, editor, and viewer. However, as you have the ability to do it via namespace or via group or via specific resources, mm -hmm. you can be very fine grained the way that you want to add it. So on top, for example, of OPA, that you're gonna have it obviously on top of that, you know, for auditing, and you're gonna have the gateway for that, you can have this extra layer of policying that you can manage directly from the tool. Here down below, you're gonna find the APIs. So as a company, as I mentioned, we're committed to be completely open source. So we like to keep things as open as we can mm -hmm. for anybody that is using it. So we have all the APIs that the tool uses and that we use. So you can develop against this. Now, depending how your infrastructure is set, if it's an air gap environment, if it's a, a intranetwork only environment, a subnet network environment, depending, there's so many flavors that you can build this, this yeah. with. You're going to have different levels of visibility. You know, if you want to have it only for an intra, then only people inside it is going to, is going to, is going to view it. It's obviously going to be attached to the networking that you do during your implementation phases. But the gist of it, is that you can, for example, develop an API against the mothering, 
you know, the little Excel sheet and actually get something more more sophisticated if you want to do yeah. it that way. Yeah. You want to push your resources, uh, your reports from one place to the other. And all that jazz, you know, you have a lot, a lot, a lot of APIs, including the ones for the clouds that we use, uh, how to connect to them. All of this is public. It's it's available when you install it and depending how you want to use it. Oh, and then specific endpoints for each platform as well. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you can develop against the projects. You can develop against the cluster. It's very useful. We have um, customers that have actually developed API against the tool to allow their developers to access the, the, con- the console easier so they don't have to see all of the of the user interface, yeah. you know, because they don't care about that. They just need to be able to uh, programmatically create a cluster. That's all they want. Yeah. So it has a lot of uses. Yeah. So here down below, you're going to have your good, your good MLA stack, you know, Prometheus, Grafana, and Loki. Yep. Uh, you're going to have it out of the box, obviously. Every time you do a deployment, KKP is going to come with this, mm-hmm. with the complete, you know, um, with all of the, all of the... Standards, yeah. Yeah, all of the jazz, all yeah. of the good stuff. This is my minion regarding the ones that I'm using for the backups. So you can configure all of this. You can tailor however you want to, however you want to use it. Same as Loki here, right? So you're going to have a lot of freedom regarding this one. Yeah. Uh, regarding the MLA stack, there's something really, really good that we provide as a tool. And is that, uh, so we come with, the MLA stack that we come with is Prometheus, Grafana, Loki, Minio, and Cortex. That's the basic okay. that we come with out of the box. However, if you want to create user-specific MLA stacks with your own specific tools, you're welcome to do it. We actually provide you with the tools, with the with the configuration, so yeah. you can bring your own MLA stack depending yeah, on how you want. That are it. compatible. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, as we're completely open source, and one of the features of this particular interface is that it's completely pluggable. Yeah. Meaning that there's a lot of things you can bring over. Uh, even if you're, even if you use private solutions, you can bring them over. So you can create your own MLA stack and use it whatever way you see fit and put it whatever way you see fit, you know, with different sources of data. Uh, I know, for example, there's a lot of people that use Jaeger and use different subset of tools they want to bring. Those are all compatible. You know, you can just bring them, bring them even on top of what we offer out of the box. Yep. 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 So... So I don't run out of time here. Let me show you the good stuff. So uh, the good stuff as in how is it this actually gets managed? So let's yeah, just okay. go to yeah. one of the clusters. I'm going to go this to this Equinix Metal. Uh. So you're going to have the ability to see here everything, everything that the cluster is doing. So you have the ability to see the control plane, the cluster ID, which is the one that you're going to get with a QCTL. When was it created? The seed, the region, the provider, the runtime environment. If you have SSH keys for service accounts, yep. and you're gonna have the ability to see all the uses, all the usage, node, memory. What is the actual buildup? What parameters do you use? So, for example, you're gonna have the control plane elements, which are gonna be in a constant loop of feedback with the machine controller API. So you're always gonna have the latest information. This is real time. 
what is the networking that you're using in Cinder Blocking, services Cinder Blocking, if you're using connect, um, connectivity, if you're using OPA, what kind of OPA you're using, what MLA stack you're using. As you see here, I don't have user cluster monitor or, or user cluster login. I have this disabled. Mm -hmm. If you have admission plugins, mm -hmm. if you have, uh, for example, in this new version, we added support for OSM. So this is a new feature that we added specifically uh, aiming at, you know, trying to provide more support, you know, more to extend the functionality of yeah. the KKP machine controller, you know, to have more control over the operating system in IoT and edge environments, you know, okay. to give you more, more edge. Aha. <laughs> and then you're going to have here the worker notes. You're going to have uh, your own worker notes, the events of the cluster, the role-based access control list. And here, let me jump real quick and show you how the bindings can, done, can be done. So you can create, for example, and I'm just going to add here uh, a, a dummy email. Let me see here. And I can create it, you know, as a role. I'm going to add it as a cluster admin, but I'm going to add it as a specific namespace. So mm -hmm. I'm going to add it just to the cube, uh, let's say cube system mm -hmm. API, cube system namespace. So this user, when it logs in and tries to work upon something, it's only going to have access to this specific namespace. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have the segregation whatever way you want it. You can add, be as fine-grained as you want with the Rolex access control list. Or you can configure it by OPA constraints and the gatekeeper. You know, you can add your constraints over here and filter them whatever whatever way you want to see it. You know, you can add it by your YAMLs. It's pretty much a lot of freedom how you want to add mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. And here, <clears throat> let me show you something really neat too about the tool. So one of the main things that we keep in mind is that this platform has to be scalable in every single way that it doesn't matter how big it goes, how many things you want to add, you can always scale it. Uh, and I mean, horizontally, uh, if you want to add it vertically, depending if you want to add more instances to your, to your clusters. And one of the things is that we wanted to make sure that when you are scaling your infrastructure, the add-ons that you're bringing, you know, also scale with you. So the tool has the ability to add a lot of different uh, services via add-ons, which essentially use the same API token authentication that we use to work against the clouds, you know, with the machine controller API. But you're able to bring whatever you want to add into this mix. So you have the ability to, let's say, create a marketplace of your add-ons via API, and deploy them. And I know that the term marketplace is always so broad. Yeah, I think you mean like a, like a developer. Actually, it's like a service catalog, I suppose. That's the term that I think gets used a lot now. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but no, because okay. we also have a tool that actually does a service okay. catalog. <laughs> it's probably, yeah, backstage is, or something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's an operator of operators yeah, that's going to yeah, catalog yeah. your services. Yeah. So that is the service catalog. That's the reason why I don't say this is a yeah, service sure, catalog, sure, but sure. more like a... Yeah, a developer a catalog. I don't know. Your, yeah. <laughs> so 
you have the ability to, to use a lot yeah. of this stuff, you know. Uh, if you want to use a more Git approach, you can use Argo <clears throat> and you can configure your repository, your branch, okay. your manifest directory, your username, and password, and add it as an add-on to your cluster. So it's only going to apply to your cluster. So instead of doing all the stuff that you need to do via uh, command line, QCTL, apply, blah, 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 you can just do it directly from here. And it's still going to create the namespace, the isolation, and all of that. To, so so I show you the case on point. I'm going to add, for example, if I add the Nginx ingress and I add two replicas to it, mm. KKP is going to automatically install, deploy, configure this. So as yeah. you see here, my replica, <laughs> it's sitting in here. I added Nginx. And if I wanted to go to my Kubernetes dashboard, because yeah. you have the ability to see the vanilla one, I'm going to go here and open the vanilla uh, Kubernetes dashboard. Let me go to all namespaces. You're going to see here that the Nginx controller is being installed. Yeah. Yeah. It's on separate namespace with the amount of replicas that I asked it to. Yeah. And it was created 37 seconds ago. So, so KKP is going to take care of configuring all of this for you. Yeah. So... If you want to work via vanilla Kubernetes, kubectl, and you want to have all these elements as you would do in a normal Kubernetes world, you're welcome to do it. If you want to have the KKP tool handle all of this for you and just use this user interface, it's also good. But then I suppose so, the, the positive here is, and I can see this on your website, 100% vanilla Kubernetes. So if if mm-hmm. I wanted to move away from your platform... I can just export all the manifest files yeah. somehow and then go elsewhere if exactly. I wanted to. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's that's precisely one of the one of the main things that, that we like to do. So let me show you. You can pretty much download the cube ADM configuration yeah. of your cluster okay. in case you wanna you wanna completely move away from us. We offer that. You know, it's we like to keep it uh, as free as possible so yeah. you have the ability to download this kind of information download the, the backups that you have, you know, yeah. of your clusters of ETCD and move away. So it's, yeah, vanilla okay. Kubernetes on top of vanilla Kubernetes. All right. I think I have right. two two short questions to wrap up. Um, Go ahead. Shut away. There's a lot here. I think there's a lot more we could have dug into, but let's just sort of wrap up with uh, two quick questions. Number one, uh, I think you mentioned one, but I'm sure there's others. What are the differences between the open source and the um, enterprise version. You, you showed that whole admin side, but is there anything else? Oh, well, uh, the first one is that you have more support for different data centers in the okay. enterprise right. version. Okay. Yeah. So the community edition, uh, it has support for one seat, whereas the enterprise version has support for all of them, okay. you know, as many as you want to have. That's, the main, that one, that's one of the first main difference. The second difference is that the community edition uh, doesn't have the mothering tool for analysis, okay. for budget analysis, all of that. So that's only available in the enterprise edition for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Because if uh, we're doing something more businessy inclined, you want to have more visibility upon that. Yep. Whereas the community edition is more aimed as how you want to use it, how you want to add it. The third one, it just comes back to the services that you get attached to that, you know. So we as a company also offer managed services. You know, as uh, the company is completely Kubernetes certified, we offer managed services, handoff of the services. We offer the ability to handle the, the operation for you yep. 
or train your operation for you and then do a sort of a handover to that. And then there's the support. So uh, the community edition obviously has support because we yeah. the, the fact that it's obviously open, so it's not like uh, you're on your own. You know, it's community cool. support, which, yeah. <laughs> we all know it could be inconsistent, but it exists. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in the Enterprise Edition, you're going to get a different yeah. SLA for your tickets. For you're sure. going to have a different level of support. You're going to get a broader access to what you're doing. You know, a dedicated team of support, a dedicated architect, stuff like that that you're not going to see. So it, it, it comes back to to those little details that if you want to build this in a more enterprise environment, you're probably going to like, because yeah. um, depending what is your level of automation in Kubernetes, you know, if you're a, if you're a company that is just starting this journey in the transformation and you're moving away from monolithic apps, then we help you with all the process, uh, help you with all the migration of the, of the applications, splitting these apps to be more cloud ready, uh, coach you, help you to build this environment and make it successful and seeing how we can cut all this, let's say, expensive that you might have yep. that can be redirected to something else in terms yep. of resources. The monitoring stuff like that. And the final question yeah. would be um, open source and, and enterprise version. What's next? You just released a new version six days ago, but what's next? <laughs> Oof. Right. So... That's a very interesting question. One of the main things that, that we're aiming is to expand the support that we have in multiple clouds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's to make the platform more lightweight, more easy to use, more uh, user interactive. So uh, I give you a very good use case in that is that when we added the support in the new version for hosted services, we didn't want to go through the route of, let's say clients, uh, some tools use, you know, that you install a client so you can connect to the client and do this. We wanted to do it as lightweight as we could. So what we did is that we connected everything via API so we can get feedback uh, of all of this, of all of these tools. So um, you have the ability to use those externals. Uh, We're also adding more networking support for telco environments. We're adding, you know, we're adding little bits of information, uh, this and there. Uh, specifically around edge technologies, telco technologies, uh, the ability to use uh, IoT devices better, to build these little clusters better. So we're expanding on, on all of these different different subjects. Now, what is the actual roadmap um, for features? I guess we're going to... Pro- it's, uh, it's, te- it's tech, yeah. I mean... When is is a vague question. What is 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 the is, the, is, is fine? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like when somebody says, uh, "Come down, I'm gonna be with you in a minute." That minute means a lot of different things. A lot. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Yeah, but in, in a long story short, uh, we're aiming to expand it to more clouds. We want to make it more lightweight. We want to make it more interactive, more easy to use. Uh, obviously, we always try to make it more stable and make it, you know, the best tool in the market. That if you come to us, you come because you use the, the community edition, but you stay because you find that it's a very good team to work with. 
this is a pure German company, and our ethics of working go hand in hand with, with that same logic. You know, we're gonna provide you something really good. I hope you enjoyed the show. Find out more about me at chrischinchilla.com, where you can find show notes, sign up for my newsletter, and find all of my writing, games, work, and video links. There's also details on how to get in touch with me. And if you want to get even closer to what I do, join my Discord server for behind-the-scenes discussions and helping me produce my shows and work.